Welcome to the College Football Bros. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. We have finally made it to the final week of the regular season, at least for most teams. Uh, but first, let's uh, take a look back and say what we learned from week 12. So, Trey, what is your biggest takeaway? I got to start with the takeaway that stretches beyond just week 12, and that was involved involving the Missouri-Florida game. Because of course Dan Mullen ended up uh, this be- ended up being the game that sent him packing. You know, Mizzou they've kind of underachieved this year, but they ended up getting the upset win against the Gators. Won in overtime. They went they went for two in the win, and they they got it. Uh, Eli Drinkowitz even brought out the lightsaber in his presser, uh, just like Mullen did last year in this this game. But uh, but Mullen got the axe. That's the storyline, and it's really just kind of an astonishing free fall from the Gators. Uh, they went toe to toe with that unbelievable best team ever Bama team last year in the sec title. And then this season they've only beaten two FBS teams, uh, Tennessee and Vandy even got a scare from Sanford a couple weeks ago. So in essence, another elite job opens up just really an incredible lineup of, of job openings right now. Yeah. It's going to be an awesome next few weeks as all these jobs fill up, but but as far as, as Mullen getting fired, it's crazy, of course, because I feel like if in the offseason we ranked the top 10 coaches, I'm sure he was, you know, right in there in that kind of top five range, I would imagine. Uh, so what do you think of after one bad season uh, getting rid of Mullen? Do you do you think it's reasonable? I can understand why they had the quick trigger, and I think it's mainly because of the way that they've finished the year. If they would have had some close losses, I think it would be a little ridiculous um, because of all the talent they lost he was even addressing the defensive concerns by firing grantham but they were just getting blown out including against their rival georgia south carolina who's not any good so i think that ended up being the the straw that broke yeah yeah i simultaneously think mullen is a a very good coach i still would probably have him as you know a, a top 10 type coach but i after what has happened this year, I am definitely okay with the decision they made to fire him. I think the fact that he is not recruiting at an elite level, like anywhere close to what Kirby Smart is doing at Georgia, I think that meant that he wasn't going to have a long leash. Like if they did have a bad season, and in this case, a really bad season, there's nothing to fall back on. It's not like, hey, I'm bringing in a great class next year. That is not the case. Their recruiting class uh, for, for 2022 was was not looking good. So I think they decided we need to bring in someone who can, you know, try to go toe to toe with Kirby uh, on the recruiting trail. So, yeah, I think there was, there was more than just the on the field uh, with them. I think also the fans just seemed to be kind of rubbed the wrong way by Mullen. So it was just heading in in a bad direction, but um, okay. My, my first takeaway from uh, this past weekend is to do with the Heisman race, which has been, wide open all year it seems like but suddenly there are two massive favorites cj stroud of course at ohio state and bryce young for alabama stroud's odds depending on where you look are around minus 200 uh young is at plus 150 so guys like kenny pickett kenneth walker matt corral on down the list they i think are 
basically at best just you know looking at an invite to New York rather than having a real chance to win it. There is still, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, of course, there's a hundred percent chance it's one of those top two guys that wins it, but they would both need to have a really bad uh, couple weeks for someone else to have a shot. Yep, and the reason, no of course, I, I guess I am bearing the lead here. CJ Stroud put up like 500 yards in one <laughs> yeah. half or something crazy against Michigan State. I'm only slightly slightly exaggerating. And Bryce Young had, I think, 559 passing yards against Arkansas. It was a close win. Arkansas made a great game of it. They, of course, had that really fun uh, fake field goal touchdown yeah. pass that that really got them in the game. But uh, but yeah, Bryce Young was incredible. He was. Both of them were ridiculous. All right, so I'm going to move out to the Pac-12 and with Utah and Oregon. And Kyle Whittingham, We I think we spoke about this a few weeks back, but he just continues w- once again to prove his worth. Uh, they beat Oregon 38-7. to And it, it got me thinking, like, why doesn't he ever get mentioned for other gigs? Like, it, I mean, I guess he seems like yeah. a, a ute for life, but but man, what a job this year in particular. I mean, when they joined the Pac-12 a few years back from the Mountain West, you kind of thought they might compete every few years or so, but each and every year, it seems like they're relevant and they're a factor uh, come come November. And this year alone, they're a different team with Cameron Rising uh, once he took over, and they just destroyed the Pac-12's playoff hope uh, by knocking off Oregon, but good for them. I mean, they just ran the Ducks off the field. They did it with defense, obviously only holding Oregon to seven, but they also did it with special teams because in this particular game, the very last play of the first half, they returned a punt return. They returned the punt for a touchdown that ended up pretty much sealing it. Yeah, that that was like it was already not looking good, but that was game over after that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, my next takeaway is two overachieving teams proved that they weren't quite as good as as their ranking. Uh, this weekend so wake forest lost 48 27 at clemson and michigan state ran into a buzzsaw uh, at ohio state they lost 56 to 7 and it's fine both teams both wake and michigan state are having great years vastly uh overperforming their their expected win totals and and in wake's case they still have a chance to win the acc so that's that's awesome for them but we knew you know the power rating wise they were uh, not as good as as you know their actual rankings, their CFP rankings would indicate. Yeah, indeed. Uh, speaking of CFP rankings, my next takeaway is Cincinnati. Uh, of course, you know as we're recording this, Cincinnati uh, got into the the top four of that. But the reason they did that is because the they the game that they played this past weekend against SMU was kind of the Bearcats that we've been wanting to see all year because they've really just been skating by the last few weeks against some inferior opponents and SMU we kind of thought might pose a, a threat to them but man they just wiped them off the field they won 48-14 shut them out for three quarters which is impressive given how much we know uh how good SMU's offense can be with Mordecai uh and I think also, what was encouraging to see was that the offense for them, Desmond Ritter played a clean game. They put up over 500 yards of offense. So I think, you know, Cincinnati is not a shoe in for the playoff at this point, but they're making a very strong case. Yeah. Yeah. If they went out, it would, I don't know, take quite a scenario for them to to miss out. I guess it, it could potentially come down to them versus, you know, a one loss Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. That would 
be an interesting interesting argument if it came down to that. But my final takeaway is that Notre Dame is kind of the team that, you know, assuming they beat, they went at Stanford uh, this weekend, which you never know, but is likely to happen. They're looking like the team that of, of all the teams that have a chance to make the playoff, they kind of need the most help because they're definitely, they're definitely behind Cincinnati, right? They, they have to be behind an undefeated Cincinnati. Um, and they are, I think, definitely behind a one-loss Big 12 champ. I'm not, I'm not going to say 100%, but I'm pretty close to that. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I agree. Okay. And so, so they kind of need, they need some things to happen. Not crazy things. They, these are things that could definitely happen, but they need maybe, maybe Wisconsin to win the Big Ten title. They obviously need Alabama to, to get knocked off by Georgia or even better by Auburn. Um, they might need, you know, maybe a two loss Big 12 champ, which could certainly happen. So, uh, they've still, they've still got a chance, but, but they need some of that stuff. But here's, here's an interesting question for you. If it does come, because I could see a scenario where it comes down to one loss Notre Dame against two loss Alabama. Yep, that's what I was think thinking about. That one is fourth in that case. Oh man, that is just flipping a coin. I think God Notre Dame. Their schedule has been pretty dang soft outside of that Cincinnati game, which of course they lost. Uh, and you know we thought the schedule was going to be better going into the season, but it didn't really pan out that way. They but do have the Bama Wisconsin Lute, win, which I know Wisconsin wasn't impressive at the time, but it's that's point. turning into no, that, a really good win. That's true. It counts for something. I'm not totally discounting it, but it's it's weaker than we thought compared to what Bama's strength would be. Man, a close, close one. I I don't know. I'll flip a coin and say Notre Dame gets the nod just because they they have been to their credit. They've been blowing teams out recently. Yeah, I lean I lean Notre Dame there, but. Uh, but I can't. If it is a classic with Georgia and, and they barely lose, I it wouldn't shock me to see the committee because if they, you know, they always say best team. It would be very easy to argue that Alabama's better than Notre Dame, right? We all would think Alabama's better, yeah. but they do have. They do also go with who's most deserving. They kind of do a mix of that, so it's it's hard to say. But yeah, I, I agree. I lean Notre Dame. Um, Okay, well let's uh, let's get to the coaching carousel here, and we're trying to trying to carry the load without Ryan. Ryan was a late scratch. We're also recording this at one forty in the morning, so <laughs> yes. if we're a little loopy, sorry about that. We're also going to go through a lot of uh, conference championship scenarios, so that kind of you know puts my head brain in a pretzel, even when I'm. Uh, sober and awake. I'm also drunk. I didn't mention that. I am wasted yeah, right now. Just so. belligerent. It's just a really kind of a double whammy here. Uh, anyway, Florida fired Dan Mullen. We talked about that, so we don't need to get into that. But we will have a YouTube episode, which maybe will be recorded at three o'clock in the morning. That's where right. we go through some of the top candidates uh, that we think Florida should hire. Uh, Troy fired Chip Lindsay. No surprise there three straight disappointing seasons after taking over, you know, kind of the, you know, one of the premier schools in, in the Sun Belt uh, when Neil Brown left. Uh, TCU is reportedly zeroing in on Sonny Dyke. So as we record, that's not official, but really seems like uh, that's almost a done deal there for, for him to go to TCU. We can talk more about that when it actually happens. How about UMass hiring Don Brown? That is the headliner here. What uh, what do you think about that one, Trey? 
huge. You know, good for him. Going back to the Northeast, hopefully he can uh, get the Minutemen at least respectable. Yeah, he did a good job there, you know, back when they were FCS. So not bad, not bad. And then the big news that came today, James Franklin signed a 10-year extension, 10-year deal worth you know, in the neighborhood of, of $80 million. So looks like he's, you know, not going to be, you know, the first domino to fall and go to USC or LSU or any of these jobs. So uh, what do you think about the the contract extension, Trey? Yeah, I mean, when I, whenever I look at these contract extensions, I'm more kind of curious and interested in in the buyouts because, you know, you can add, add a, a 10-year, you know, and it sounds like, oh my gosh, this guy's a, a lifer, but... When you dig deeper and you see the buyout might be pretty cheap, then it might not mean anything. So do you have the buyout info kind of readily available there? You know, I thought I did, Trey, and then I don't. But I I sort of ballpark remember it. So if if yeah. Franklin leaves and goes yeah. to take another job in the next few years, he doesn't, you know, or you know, the team that hires him doesn't owe that much money. Like, like if you left right now, I think it's twelve million. Next year, it's eight million, and it gets much smaller after that. So, he's yep. pretty much free to go when he wants. As far as if Penn State elects to fire James Franklin without cause, it seems like from the articles I've read, the interpretation of the terms, it seems like it's essentially fully guaranteed. So. So, like, if he were to get fired next year, it's they owe him something like seventy million dollars. And even <laughs> five years into the contract, if they were to fire him, they owe forty million dollars. So it it's is just his like, agent. Unless there's his some, agent deserves like an incredible raise. He deserves all the money in the world because, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a lot to hitch your wagon to. Like, I, Michael, you and I are huge James Franklin guys. But man, I yep. we can see we've seen how fast things can change. Like look at Dan Mullen just this week. Like it can it can slide pretty quick. And if you're like finishing fourth or fifth in the Big Ten East, like fans are not going to want that. That's the thing. It's it's I'm I knew I know he has leverage because all these job openings and and you would think that there were some big schools interested in him. And as a USC fan, like you say, I love James Franklin. He was my number one target for USC. I would have been super excited to get him. But still. Even even with my positive view of him, he has had two, you know, disappointing seasons relatively, uh, especially uh, twenty twenty. But but this year, of course, not ending up great. So what if he has two more? Like I don't expect that. I think he'll bounce back. But what if he doesn't? What if he has two more disappointing yeah. seasons? They're really going to want to fire him, but they'd have to pay sixty million dollars or something crazy, it's, which it's not feasible. I think usually I mean, is untenable. They, yeah, it'll be. I mean, for Penn State's sake, I hope I hope Franklin continues to have some little bit better success, and they can. It's a moot point, but it's quite the contract. You don't ever yeah. see that. Yeah, like because Michigan was kind of in a similar situation with Harbaugh, but they instead just gave him like a one-year deal where they could basically fire him. <laughs> where <laughs> in this case, Penn State's kind of in a situation where. Some fans are getting iffy on Franklin, and they gave him an $80 million extension. Yeah, un- fully guaranteed. I know it's not a totally apples-to-apples apples comparison because no great programs were looking to hire away Harbaugh, but still, it's just kind of interesting difference there. Yeah. I'd like to hear from Penn State fans. What, what do you guys think? Because again, love Franklin, so it could. there is definitely 
good chance that he just continues to be a really good coach and these two years were just kind of a little bit of down years but but the the risk is high so anyway uh another contract extension Hugh Freeze I think got bumped up to something like four million dollars a year I'm not sure I haven't seen the uh the buyout figures there but I would imagine he wouldn't have signed anything that uh would tie him there you know if he did want to move to the to a power five job so but there's another guy that you um, okay, thought might go in this cycle. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's and maybe he's still good. I don't know. But but yeah, usually if you sign an extension, you're you're not leaving. You're not leaving this offseason. So let's uh, let's move on to our playoff predictions. Trey, what uh, if you had to predict right now? Who's who's in your field of four? Or you? Yeah, you're projecting I'm going to the end of the season. I'm going to go with Georgia number one. I'm assuming they're going to beat Alabama in the SEC title and of course Georgia Tech this weekend and then Ohio State I think they continue their role I say Cincinnati wins out so I got them three and then we're kind of in that scenario we were talking about earlier personally I think the Big 12 is going to kind of eat each other up the last couple weeks between Oklahoma Oklahoma State and Baylor so I'm going to kind of throw them out which might not happen but so I'm between Notre Dame and Alabama and Ultimately, I landed on Notre Dame. I know they have one of the weaker schedules out there, but I feel like it's just one of those kind of last man standing. They've been rolling. They would only have the one loss to another playoff team. I have the exact same four. I think that's right now the the most likely playoff scenario. But obviously, we would both take the field against this you know, yes. scenario. There's lots that could play out. How about this? How about... So say um, Alabama beats Georgia. So then Alabama and Georgia are, of course, yep. both in. Ohio State wins out. They're in. And then you've got Cincinnati against, let's say, 12-1 Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. That's yeah, the, no. That is an oof. interesting scenario. Who gets in? I know. I, I know. I, oof. <laughs> I, I might have man, I might have to say Oklahoma State because they would have just beaten two top 10 teams most likely. Like, it's a tough yeah, call. Yeah, they would have beat Oklahoma and Baylor. So that's like two wins that as of right now, they don't have that are like good resume wins that would look a little bit better than Cincinnati only beating Houston, who might be like, you know, 23rd, which is good. But it's, I don't know, it'll be, it would be fascinating. There's a lot of scenarios to play out because that. there's also like the scenario where like, Alabama could could barely lose to Georgia and you know maybe I would love to be in the the room with the committee because if they truly think Bama maybe is the fourth best team do they want to automatically just put another rematch of Georgia Alabama again you know one versus four so that that's another thing that I don't know if they mm-hmm. factor in but it's something to think about right to answer the question I just asked you about Oklahoma State Cincinnati it might depend on like if, if Cincinnati blows out Houston, you know, maybe they they would yeah. stay up there. But I think I I if I'm predicting here, this is not me making my uh, playoff. I was predicting what the committee would do. I think they would put Oklahoma State over Cincy. But I'm and not, that, of course, super that's the debate that. we all thought we would be having coming into the year: whether or not Oklahoma State would be in the playoff. Yeah. Oh my god! It is weird how quiet. Oklahoma State has been all season pretty much, even though they're totally right under the, the radar. Here. Okay. 
Well, let's uh, let's go on to week 13, and we're going to do this a little bit differently uh, than we do our, our usual weekly previews. We're going to go conference by conference, and we're going to give you all the scenarios. We're going to kind of tell you um, how the, the division and conference championships um, can can shape up here. So Ryan was a late scratch for, for today's episode. RIP Ryan, but we are going <laughs> to try and take over for for his so anyway trey get us started with the acc all right so we're going to start out with an easy one because the coastal the pit or the pit pit clinch so they're 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 in the the title game there but the atlantic is a little more exciting because you've got three teams uh kind of involved you got wake they control their destiny so all they need to do is beat boston college nc state needs to beat north carolina and then have Wake lose to Boston College. So not impossible. And then Clemson is the third team. They need a little bit more help because they need Wake to lose to Boston College. They need NC State to lose to North Carolina. So, I mean, it's not obviously impossible, but I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily bet on it. So some of those games that are a factor, we got North Carolina, North Carolina State. NC State's favored six. This game's on Friday. As of recording we don't really know if Hal's going to be playing um i'm assuming he is but he sat out last week with uh, an injury i hope he does because um he's one of the it'd be one of the better quarterback matchups this this week with devin leary who has had a great year and that's why i'm going to lean with the wolf pack because i like this matchup leary going up against a weak tar heel defense and even if Hal is a full go nc state's got a very good defense that could help stymie them so i'm actually going to make nc state my lock of the week uh, a couple other games that are relevant. Wake Forest, like I mentioned, they're playing at Boston College. They're favored four and a half. I'm going to take the points with BC. Wake hasn't been all that healthy the last couple weeks. Don't necessarily trust their defense enough to give over a field goal on the road against a decent BC team with Dracovic back and Zay Flowers. I think Hartman puts up points. I'd love to see them get 10 wins, but I don't think they cover here. Then the last two I'm going to just briefly touch on. Clemson is favored 11 and a half at South Carolina. Uh, should be a fun one. Clemson's dominated this recently, of course, but Williams Bryce should be rocking. And this is South Carolina's really, I feel like their best chance to maybe knock off Clemson, uh, in some time. I actually do think they'll, they'll get the cover, but won't necessarily win. And then Florida state at Florida, Florida's given three. The winner of this game is bull eligible. Crazy that that's where these teams are, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I know it's a rivalry. I don't. I just don't know how juice the, the Gators can get. Uh, they lost Mullen, of course. They've lost four of five, and the Knolls. They've been fighting under Norvell. Recent wins against Miami and Boston College. I'm going to take the Seminoles. I feel like those last two games you mentioned are. I know you know they're just one game, but are, are big for recruiting. Uh, Clemson at South Carolina. If Beamer can can get a win there, you, you got to think that's yeah. going to give him a ton of momentum uh, going into the off season and then yeah, Florida, Florida state, um, Mike Norvell already out recruiting the Gators, but get a win over them, go to a bowl game that, that just, you got, that would be really nice for Florida state. I think we talked about early midway through the season when there was already rumors about Norvell possibly being on the hot yeah. seat, which was crazy. We were just talking about how low things had gotten for Florida state, but They've obviously done really well since then, and and feelings are a lot better in the program. Recruiting seems to be going well, so uh, good for them. I've kind of jealous that they're rock bottom, you know, 
seems to have already hit whereas our nebraska <laughs> corn huskers keep seem to finding be finding new lows oh, they keep digging anyway um all right let's move on to the big 12 this one is pretty easy oklahoma state has clinched a spot in the big 12 title game so they're in they're gonna either be playing oklahoma or baylor so if ou wins bedlam that it's going to be a rematch. OU's, OU's in the Big 12 title. If OU loses, then Baylor just needs to beat Texas Tech to, to get into the Big 12 title. So uh, let's talk about those games. So Texas Tech at Baylor. Baylor's favored 14 and a half on Saturday. And this game happens first. It happens before Bedlam. So we'll kind of set the stage there. Baylor hasn't really blown out very many opponents this year. So I think uh, Texas Tech gets the cover. But of course... Baylor wins, which, yeah, I think would make the stakes of Bedlam even a bit bigger because Oklahoma is would you would be playing, you know, to get into the Big Twelve title. Um, whereas if if Baylor loses, they're they're in no matter what. But either way, I mean, Oklahoma's not thinking about just getting into the Big Twelve title; they're t- thinking about making the playoffs. So the stakes will be huge no matter what. Okie State is at home; they're favored by four. What do you think here, Trey? Yeah, and Oklahoma they've owned bedlam they won 16 of 18 i think i I read yeah and i i do i love this oklahoma state team that defense is legit the stadium's going to be rocking especially with ou leaving for the sec soon but i'm really having a tough time giving more than a field goal Uh, i know the last time we saw oklahoma play on the road against a good defense uh they lost and that was at baylor but to me baylor's offense is much better at least or maybe not much better, but they're better than Oklahoma State. So I want to see Spencer Sanders put it together in a big game first. And my brain can't necessarily comprehend Oklahoma losing by more than four, just the way they've dominated this rivalry. Um, so I'm just going to take the points with Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I agree with you. OU's defense has has been playing better the, the last few weeks, so I think they can keep this one a, a lower-scoring game, at least lower-scoring than we are used to in bedlam a lot lower i I would expect um so yeah i'm going to take the points and like you i I know this this is a different year these are two different teams but it is hard to ignore what has happened in bedlam the last 15 years um especially when you're getting points with with oklahoma so (laughs) i know they can lose by three and i still cover i feel okay about that uh all right moving on to the big 10 the east is very easy the winner of ohio state at michigan goes to the big 10 title and the buckeyes are favored eight and a half is this the year trey is michigan gonna take down the buckeyes well here we go it's kind of a theme this episode another lopsided rivalry ohio state's won 15 of 16 like and this is you know the rivalry that's ridiculous um i've had a hard time picking ohio state games this year and this this spread is inflated after the last two weeks. The Buckeyes, of course, have just thrashed pretty good teams, uh, but they're weaker foes, and it's been in Columbus. Now they have to go on the road against a top ten defense. I'm not saying Michigan's going to stymie that you know three headed receiver monster, but I feel like they can do enough to get the ball back to the offense and give them at least a chance in this game. Uh, they I will say they need to get the running game with Haskins going because if they're solely relying on McNamara's arm it could be could be a long one but if they if they do get that run game going Donovan Edwards is coming off a huge game on the outside for so look for him I'm not going to pick Michigan to win but I'm going to say they get the cover here thanks to their their defense 
Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take Michigan with the points. I think Ojabo and, and Hutchinson will be able to get some pressure on Stroud. So I don't think he'll look as otherworldly, certainly as he did last week or, or even you know as good as he's looked the last several weeks. I, I think it's just maybe a good time to, to sell a little bit high on Ohio State because the, the massacre against Michigan State, um, who did they murder before that? Purdue, I think Purdue. They, they won. Yeah, extremely easy. Um, so it's kind of made us forget that the Penn State win was a little dicey. They had some some red zone issues there. Uh, they struggled at Nebraska. That game was uh, in doubt in into the fourth quarter. So I think Michigan is is more than capable uh, of keeping this a one score game. Uh, but moving on to the Big Ten West, a little crazier situation here. Three teams are still alive. Uh, I'll go through in order of likelihood. Wisconsin is most likely to win. They, If they win at Minnesota, they're in the Big Ten title. There's also some more complicated ways that even if they lost, I think there's a, there's a way they could get in, but we'll ignore that. So Iowa is the next team. If they win at Nebraska and Wisconsin loses to Minnesota, then Iowa wins the Big Ten West. And then the third team that's still alive is Minnesota. If they beat Wisconsin and Iowa loses to Nebraska and Purdue beats Indiana, then they're in. So those are those are the scenarios. Uh, let's go through the games. Iowa at Nebraska is on Friday. So we, it's it's interesting to look at the order of all these games. You know, it kind of sets the stage for the future games. So if Iowa loses, then Wisconsin at Minnesota is more or less a, a play-in game. Uh, but I think I was going to win. They're a one and a half point favorite. Adrian Martinez is out for Nebraska, um, and I think you know Logan Smothers, the freshman, is a is a big big downgrade, especially going up against a a really good defense. So I would say Iowa wins, and that means on Saturday a Minnesota win would get Iowa into the Big Ten title. But Wisconsin's favored seven. Trey, they're on the road. What do you see here? Yep, Paul Bunyan's axe with. A lot at stake no matter what really happens in that first game uh but it's really hard for me to get in front of this badger train they've been rolling my instincts even tell me to take the badgers but i like getting seven at home here the gophers defense it's pretty stout uh they can keep this game lower scoring now i know tanner morgan he's not going to light the badgers up because of their incredible defense and especially the the banged up running back crew that the gophers have but but seeing them put up 400 yards on the road at Iowa a couple weeks ago makes me a little optimistic. Okay, I'm I'm going to go the other way. I'm I'm taking Wisconsin. Uh just I just really like the way they've been playing the last several weeks. Their running game with Braylon Allen has been dominant. Uh even Graham Mertz has finally been, you know, pretty efficient the the second half of this season and of course we know about the dominant defense. So, I just think they could outclass Minnesota. So I'm going to make Wisconsin my lock. All right. So let's move on to the Pac-12. And uh, in the South, Utah has already clinched. They're a big favorite at Colorado. Or sorry, at home versus Colorado. So they should should roll. And then in the North, we've got three teams alive. Oregon is the, the clear favorite because they control their destiny. All they have to do is just beat the Beavers. Um, and then the next two teams, just like we all would have guessed before the year, Oregon state and Washington state, uh, have a, have a chance. So Wazoo's path is to beat Washington 
and have Oregon State beat Oregon. And then Oregon State needs the opposite. They need to beat Oregon and then have Washington beat Wazoo. So those two games that we're talking about, the Apple Cup, Washington State is favored one at Washington on Friday. And again, another one-sided rivalry. UW has uh, won 10 of 11. And really, though, the Huskies are only playing for pride. They've they've lost three in a row, barely beat lowly Arizona. They've lost their coach. So I'm going to go against the rivalry history. I'm going to take Washington State. They've been playing pretty well. If you haven't seen Jaden Delora play, he's pretty fun to watch. Kind of an athletic gunslinger, matched with the great running back, Max Borgi. Uh, and I feel like if the Cougars put up any points, Washington's dismal offense won't be able to keep up. And then the Civil War, Oregon State at Oregon on Saturday. Oregon's favored seven. Michael, where are you leaning uh, in this one? I am leaning towards the Beavers. And I got to say, I'm hoping, even though I love the, the Cougs, we, we grew up in the state of Washington and the Cougs have you know, often been the underdog in, in the Apple Cup. Uh, but I, I'm kind of cheering for Washington to win that one so that Oregon State versus Oregon is... You know, a playing game for that for that Pac-12 North. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards Oregon State. Uh, Oregon's had some injuries in the receiving core, um, and and Micah Pittman is in the transfer portal, so they've kind of had to go down the depth chart there. They're relying on some freshmen. I just think Oregon State has the the better offense right now. Um, I, I I like taking seven points. Yeah, I I don't know. I know that the the Ducks uh, got their, you know butts handed to them last week but they they still have the rose bowl in sight and i just think they're going to outclass the beavers oregon state is a different team away from corvallis they've lost three road games in a row and not necessarily against the cream of the crop so uh, that's why i'm rolling with oregon here well you're wrong could be (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's move on sorry for that delay here we got the sec this one very straightforward, of course. The The SEC title game is clinched up. We've got Georgia versus Alabama. So so that's set. But now there's still a couple meaningful games this weekend, of course. we got the Egg Bowl on Thursday night. Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's favored one and a half. What do you see here, Mike? All right. I am going with Ole Miss. I'm going with my boy Lane Kiffin. Um They've been getting healthier the last couple weeks uh, at receiver Braylon Sanders and Dontario Drummond, hopefully closer to 100% uh, for Matt Corral, who himself, you know, seems to be getting healthier every week. So I'm thinking we might see their their best performance this weekend in a while and take down uh, Mike Leach. Yeah, and I love having this game on Thanksgiving night. Uh, Being on the West Coast, we're kind of we get to have dinner and watch it and finish it up in the second half. But this game itself is a tough one for me. I am going to take Ole Miss to the Bulldogs. They've been a little bit better overall than I thought, but the last couple SEC games don't give me a ton of confidence. They were down 28-3 to to Auburn before they did have that impressive rally. Good for them. Uh, and then they lost to Arkansas the week before. So Ole Miss, I think, though, they're amped for the Egg Bowl because they, they would pretty much clinch a New Year's Six bid if they were to win this game. And then uh, yeah. our next game is... The Iron Bowl, we've got Alabama, their favorite 19 and a half at Auburn on Saturday. Mike, where are you headed for here for this one? I I'm taking Alabama. Things just have seemed to to gone have gone south for Auburn the last month or so. Um, it, I remember thinking 
yeah, you know, probably three, four weeks ago that man, Auburn is actually having a, a pretty good season under Brian Harson. I, I feel like a early into the hire recruiting wasn't going well and people were starting to question it. I remember listening to another podcast talking about how, wow, this could be a, you know, one and done for Brian Harson or two and done. Um, if, if he doesn't get things turned around, but, um, you know, the first six or seven weeks went well and now they've lost three straight. There's suddenly things are bad again. There's rumors of Harson potentially jumping to, to Washington and, and getting out of Dodge in, in Auburn Dodge, excuse me, Dodge. I don't know what I was saying. Anyway, it's late. It's two Oh six in the morning folks. <laughs> so I'm going a little loopy. Um, but no, so Bo Nix, of course, is hurt. TJ Finley came in last game and lost to South Carolina. The offense did not do much, so it doesn't seem like Finley is going to be the quick fix. So I just think Bama's going to outclass them. The offense with Bryce Young just put up almost 600 passing yards on Arkansas. So, yeah, give me Alabama. I remember that conversation. You, me, and Ryan had it. We were just a month ago. We are talking about, wow, this Iron Bowl could be awesome. And I mean, it still yeah. could, but looking less and less likely. Uh, and, you know, this line is a bit inflated, and I hate giving this much on the road in this rivalry, but I just I can't back this Auburn team, like you said, with TJ Finley. Uh, Auburn really struggled with pass protection last week against the Gamecocks. Pro Football Focus graded it as their worst of, of the year. Not ideal when you're going up against the front seven of Alabama. So I'm going to make the tide here or I picked the tide here to make a statement victory heading into the SEC title. Okay, moving on to the group of five conferences. We'll start out with the American, the AAC. We already know it's going to be Houston against Cincinnati in that championship game. The only question is where it will be. So if Cincinnati wins at East Carolina, they're going to host the AAC title. If they lose, it'll be at Houston. Um, And since he is only a 14-point favorite, so... You know, they're high probability to win, high probability to win, but it's not not a guarantee. Nope. Moving on to Conference USA in the West Division, UTSA has clinched. They play at North Texas to finish the regular season potentially at 12 and 0, which is just incredible. And then in the East, it's a pretty simple scenario. You got a winner take all uh, matchup with Western Kentucky at Marshall. Marshall is favored one. Bailey Zappi just continues to light it up every week. Receivers Stearns or Tinsley are a fantasy player's dream each week. It always seems like they're lighting it up. But I'm going to go with Marshall at home. The Hilltoppers lost against some of the better defenses they've played. And Marshall has the best defense in the conference outside of UAB, maybe UTSA. Rasheen Ali leads the nation in rushing touchdowns. And I think he'll score a couple more to secure the East division. All right. Um, just speaking of Zappi and, and Western Kentucky, I wonder if we're going to see maybe as soon as this offseason, somebody else try to copy Tyson Helton's plan <laughs> there to immediately save a struggling offense. He just I know we've talked about this earlier in the year, but he just took FCS Houston Baptist, had a great offense that was putting up huge numbers. And he's like, all right, I'll take their offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'll take their quarterback, <laughs> I'll take their top receiver. Boom. Now I got a good offense. It's just it's insane that it was that easy. But I got to think someone's going to try and copy that. Uh, anyway, moving on to the MAC, the West was already clinched by Northern Illinois, which 
is insane. They were 60 to one before the season. So that is quite a ticket if you had that. And I, you know, of course, hindsight is uh, 2020 here, but should any team in the Mac ever be more than 50 to one to, to win? Like <laughs> to win a division yeah, is just chairs. such a wide open conference. Uh, but anyway, they, uh, they won a lot of close games and, uh, and got it. So they will play either Miami of Ohio or Kent State. So my that that is basically essentially the Mac East Championship this weekend, um, and it is at Kent State. Kent State's favored by one. I'm going to stick with my preseason pick. I, I picked the Golden Flashes in the in the preseason, so I'll stick with them here. Really good quarterback matchup. Uh, Brett Gabbert for Miami has had a you know kind of quietly because it's in the Mac, but had a, had a very good year. Um, but I still think Dustin Crum, my boy Dustin Crum, is a little bit better. So go Kent State. Sorry to play favorites, but if there's <laughs> any Miami fans listening that are offended, uh, I'm sorry. Mountain West is the next conference, and I love the names of the divisions, the Mountain and the West. So we will start oh, very creative with the West. Yep. Fresno State essentially needs to hit a two-team parlay to win the division. So they need to win at San Jose State on Thanksgiving. So there's a, another Thanksgiving Day game for you to watch. And they need San Diego State to lose at home to Boise State on Friday. So if both those happen, Fresno State is in the Mountain West Championship. If if either of those things doesn't happen, then San Diego State wins the division. So uh we'll see. It's it's they're both are favored both Boise and, and Fresno are favored. So it's, it's not super unlikely um, that they could both happen. It's around a 40% chance. So there you have it there. As far as the mountain division, it is a total mess. Boise state, Utah state and air force are all tied at five and two. And they all play at, you know, around the same time on Friday. So it's going to be kind of crazy, but I'll, I'll try to make this simple. So let's assume Air Force beats UNLV because they're an 18-point favorite. And let's assume Utah State beats New Mexico, their favorite 16. So in that case, it all comes down to one game. It all comes down to Boise State at San Diego State. If Boise wins, then Air Force wins the three-team tiebreaker, and Air Force is in in the Mountain West title. If Boise State loses, then Utah State wins a head-to-head tiebreaker over Air Force. So kind of weird that it, it's it might come down to you know a game that doesn't involve either uh, Air Force or Utah State, but that's the scenario. Now, technically, Boise State is, is still alive as well, but they need Air Force to lose as an eighteen point favorite. So they kind of need a need a prayer there. That's too bad because Boise now they they started slow, but they're playing probably the maybe the best ball in the conference. Uh, the other thing though yeah. is. That San Diego State Boise game is at 9 a.m. West Coast time, which is crazy. It's on national CBS, so they're getting some exposure. But the Friday after Thanksgiving, 9 a.m., they don't even play at near San Diego State this year. They're playing up about an hour away while their stadium's built. So don't see a huge home field advantage there. Yeah. All right. The Sun Belt. No drama, unfortunately. App State, they clinched the East, and Louisiana clinched the West, and really none of the top teams are even facing each other, so it sets up for a pretty pretty dull slate in the Sun Belt this weekend. Okay, we did it. Without Ryan, we... Boom. 
hopefully we're correct in all of our scenarios there we covered <laughs> every single conference uh it was fun there i mean some sometimes i found some articles where they they did the work for me but i was trying to look at this like on friday of last week and looking at all the potential scenarios that were up in the air and having to go into the actual rules like what is what are the tiebreakers in the mountain west and going yeah. through like it's it's pretty fun to do that um you know this time of year but anyway let us close out this episode with a questionable finish thanksgiving is on thursday of course what were you thankful for this college football season trey i gotta say just having fans uh obviously last year there weren't many fans in the stands and last year it just kind of felt like almost a, a fake season in a way and there were no covid delays that we had to deal with each week uh and then, of course, our own podcast fans. I mean, the millions of listeners and patrons that we oh, have. Yeah. Of course, yes. Um, no, that's a good one. I'm I'm thankful uh, for the, the the surprise teams that that made the season more interested. So, you know, Michigan State, Michigan, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Pitt, Wake Forest, on down the line. Because, yeah, with with this season kind of returning to normalcy and. Uh, it could have just been a your typical you're not typical it's the typical season is always fun but if it were a more boring season with a lot of chalk that wouldn't have been as as fun of a kind of reintroduction to real college football but i will say i i another thing i guess i'm thankful for is there i think there was only one game at least that i can think of that was postponed due to covid seems like the others all went off which all I, that I comes would not to mind unless there was the one very early but it's it's been great went off without a hitch this year yeah all right next question which brother could eat the most at thanksgiving dinner all right i'm gonna i'm i'm sneaky i i don't eat a ton during most days but i can throw down a couple plates uh come dinner time okay so you're going yourself hmm. i'm not going with myself i'm i'm going with ryan he's, he's not here but uh I just think if, if it were a contest, like if it was a, we were really competing with each other, there's just something, I feel like he's got a mental edge. I think he would just refuse to stop <laughs> eating. That's a good point. I didn't factor in the, the competitive side that he might, uh, <laughs> yeah. might take us. All right. Last question. We got to give our upset specials. Uh, did, did Ryan send us what his was going to be? He did. He's got Oregon State. Uh, up against Oregon and I you know Ooh. if that one actually wins it'll be actually my pick but no Ryan Ryan oh, okay. took Oregon sure. State all right well I'm gonna take East Carolina to beat Cincinnati uh they're having a good season they they <laughs> took Houston to overtime on the road Holt Nailers a uh, very experienced solid quarterback but the real reason I'm taking them is just sort of an irrational reason that it would be so fitting that with this kind of year as crazy as as it's been the biggest storyline has been, is Cincinnati going to make the playoff? Oh, the, the the committee is is disrespecting Cincinnati. And then finally, this week, they put them fourth in the college football playoff rankings, and then they go and lose. It would just kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, it would just be uh, sort of bidding for college football craziness. That would. I, uh, I looked at another unbeaten team maybe going down, and that's North Texas. They're getting 10.5 against unbeaten UTSA. UTSA, they've skated by the last couple weeks with fourth quarter wins, including a lucky bounce completion for a touchdown uh, to win with a few seconds left last week. 
And North Texas, they started the year horrendously, but they've rattled off four in a row and they need a win for bull eligibility. So maybe they'll knock off the Roadrunners. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the College Football Bros podcast. I uh, hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving weekend, safe travels if you're heading elsewhere for the holidays, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.